Hello, this is Brad Westwood. Welcome to the podcast, Speak Your Peace. This is a podcast about Utah's history. My name is Brad Westwood. I'm Senior Public Historian at the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts. Speak Your Peace is a podcast where writers, historians, archaeologists, curators, anyone who contributes to Utah's history, it can be shared here, those insights and those discoveries. My guest today is Catherine Kitterman, Historical Director for Better Days 2020. Catherine, once more, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, the, the story of women's suffrage in Utah Territory has a very unique historical context, many differing and counter aspects. Now, we've already talked a little bit about it, but can you share more about some of those deeper stories about the context of women's rights in Utah? Yeah, and I think there are really three reasons why Utah suffrage story was so unique, and we'll, we'll touch on each of those um, quickly. First of all, it was happening really early. This was playing out in some cases, almost 50 years ahead of the time when most women across the United States would first be able to go to the polls. So there were different dynamics nationally and locally than there would be in other places and at other times. So that's something to remember that this is really, I don't want to overemphasize this, but it was really groundbreaking. It was a pathbreaking step to take. And it was really something that drew national attention and scrutiny for Utah women to be casting ballots, um, both here in Utah and in Wyoming. And it has an influence on Wyoming, doesn't it? Does, it does, right. Utah dialogue. Right. And because there were about, we're not exactly sure because citizenship numbers and, and census counts weren't exact at the time, but it seems like there were about 18,000 women in Utah in 1870 who would have been eligible to cast ballots. Um, at that time. And so really for the next 17 years, Utah women were the most substantial population of voting women in the United States. And as people were looking, um, you know, there were stories about women going to Wyoming to live in Wyoming for a while. So they would be able to cast a ballot. And there were also lots of stories about what Utah women were doing with the vote. And they actually drew Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton out here in 1871 to get a feel for the situation and see how things were happening. So that's one thing is because Utah women were so early, their story really got drawn up into national discussions. Um, another thing that was unique about Utah's suffrage story is that generally speaking here on the ground in Utah, they faced or they enjoyed public support for their voting rights, not from every single person and every single time, but generally speaking, the Latter-day Saint church hierarchy, um, local community members, neighbors, people were generally in favor of women voting both in 1870 and then again in 1895 when there were those discussions happening about regaining the right to vote. Why? Several reasons. I think part of it, again, was this 1870 discussion of we're going to show people that polygamy isn't horrible, that women can vote without tearing our whole system down. Um, partially, as people have discussed in the West in general, there were some more egalitarian ideals or this idea that women had sacrificed and contributed so much to building up this society quote unquote, um, laboring in the desert, all of these things that they deserved a voice in political affairs. Well, and then you have the Protestant, the broader Protestant America that didn't see this just as a minor issue. I mean, this was in some ways, uh, polygamy was going to like slavery, take down the great American experiment. Right. And so that's really the third reason why Utah suffrage story was so unique is that it was entangled in this debate over polygamy from the very beginning until the end and even beyond. Um, and because of those national debates about polygamy, because of reformers' attention and congressional attention and things, that, that really changed the dynamic for women in Utah as they, in some ways, took sides in the 1870s and 80s over whether or not they would support women's voting rights. And then again, when women were working to regain the vote, 
starting in 1888, Utah women formed the Utah Women's Suffrage Association. And the person that they allied with and the suffragists that they worked most closely with was Susan B. Anthony. And that's because she was the more radical of the national suffrage leaders. And she was the one who was willing to work with polygamous women. Where there were many Protestant-based women's group that would stand back. Right. Lucy Stone's group, the American Women's Suffrage Association, many others. In fact, they often criticize Susan B. as um, damaging the cause of suffrage by allying herself with these people, these polygamous women who would um, bring bad attention to the cause or turn public opinion against suffrage, they thought. Now, is there going to be a few events over the course of 2020 where people can hear these stories and uh, lectures, programs? Absolutely. So we'll have speaker series in several different venues, lots of local library talks and others, and hopefully even more will be added in the next coming months. So if you look on our calendar at www.betterdays2020.org, you'll find a lot of these events coming up. And again, if you'd like to pitch something or ask us to send a speaker, please send us an email and we'll get that settled. And the point here with 2020 Better Days, as well as the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts, is this is not a Salt Lake story, is it? No, nope, exclusively. Not. There, in, in in many states, right? You talk about the people in the capital city as leading these movements, as starting the organizations. But as we've done our research, we've highlighted women across all twenty nine of Utah's, all twenty seven, sorry, of Utah's then existing counties, um, who were involved in the suffrage movement. We found women suffrage organizations in twenty one of the counties, which is a lot. That's going from Washington County down in the south to Cache County up in the north, and there were women in Moab and. Beaver and Tuwilla, who were working for women's voting rights at this time by raising funds, going to national conventions, reading suffrage newspapers, and getting involved with their neighbors, trying to persuade local lawmakers to support women's voting rights when Utah had the chance to write its own constitution at statehood. Now, we, can, we know this is focusing on suffrage history, mm -hmm. but this also um, begs us to go further. And I see that there is some big dark spots and suddenly the spotlight is on and there's some remarkable history about women's history across Utah. And that too is being harvested in this year. It's being discussed and analyzed and so on. Yeah. Tell me about the kind of intentional ripple that's being created here by Better Days and the Department of Heritage and Arts. Yes, I think the anniversary year is a good year to open the door to women's history in Utah. We know some stories, maybe there are a few women that we've been told about over and over again, but there's a richness and diversity and a real strong advocacy, a real strong legacy, excuse me, of advocacy among Utah's women. And there are women from all communities in all locations who have made a difference and made the state what it is today. Sometimes women's stories and contributions are less visible because they show up less in the record or because buildings haven't been named after them. And we're working with local historians and organizations to change that, to try to rename streets and and buildings and rooms and to draw attention to women through public art projects and also through programming and things. So we hope this isn't something you just focus on with the suffrage anniversary, but to remember that those women who worked for the right to vote were working for women to be more a part of society, right? Mm -hmm. And their achievements are something that we all benefit from, male or female. Well, and <clears throat> you can, we should be collecting and gathering history uh, across the state. Uh, one interesting event that happened at BYU some 20 years ago, Connie Lamb, who was a women's mm -hmm. studies uh, 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 specialist, uh, uh, she and I and others worked together. We identified hundreds of existing collections and we went back and re uh, indexed them 
and discovered because of prior sexist or discriminating attitudes, the papers and materials were only focused on on the male side of the papers. And we discovered in these collections a whole lot of things related to women's and everyday life and a number of other things. Um, there's just so many ways you can, um, you don't necessarily have to look for new material. You just have to go back and, and see what's there. Yeah. So there's so many opportunities in the future towards a more unified and, and a more equal um, experience of women being in the history of Utah. Yeah. There's a historian who we've worked with um, who's doing something similar in Pittsburgh, actually looking at suffrage history, looking at the history of women contributing to her own city. And she calls it restoring our history because it's not like we're making this up or bringing stories in that weren't there. It's just making sure that the stories are there, have a chance to be told. It's a wonderful story. Catherine, in Better Days 2020, you have a number of wonderful programs and things going on, particularly the trading cards. I really love these cards. Uh, people of all ages have access to the stories of some remarkable people in Utah's history. Can you talk about those cards? Yeah. So these cards are based on the illustrations by Brooke Smart. Um, so those are the illustrations that are up at the Capitol um, starting January 15th and all through December of this year. Um and they're also in a traveling exhibit uh, sponsored by the Division of Arts and Museums. Um, so you can see them in a couple different places. They're in Hiram, Utah for the month of January. But these illustrations um, were created, especially as the brainchild of our educator, Dr. Naomi Watkins, who was thinking about ways to engage kids in this history and help them learn more about women who have made their own state what it is today. And um, black and white photographs are great, and I love them. I'm a historian. I think they're really interesting. But not everybody is drawn to a black and white photograph of a lot of women wearing what looks like the same dress and the same hairstyle <laughs> and the same expression. Right. Um, and so when we illustrate something, not only are we able to bring color and visual interest to, to a scene, but we're also able to tell a story about what that person has well, done. And it's a storytelling. That's such a big part of our, uh, of our love of history. Yeah. Tell us a few stories, Catherine. And so I, I love what Brooke Smart, our illustrator has done with these because she worked with us and with descendants of these women or family members, scholars, other community leaders of the community currently to talk about what should be involved and what, or what should be included in these illustrations. So for example, um, with Elizabeth Taylor, um, who was a black suffragist and community leader, um, newspaper woman in Salt Lake city in 1890s and early 1900s, she shows Elizabeth speaking to a convention of women that she had brought together from all of the Western states. Is it the broad acts that she worked She for? was actually involved with the Utah Plain Dealer. She oh, and her dealer. husband edited that one. Um, and then later on, she started her own newspaper, the Western Women's Advocate. And here in the illustration, you can see that she's holding her newspaper as she stands to speak in front of these women. Um, other women like Mignon Barker Richmond, a civil rights activist later, um, the first African-American to graduate from a Utah university um, which was Utah State University now. And we have a park in Salt Lake City. Yep, we do. She graduated in 1921 her. and faced discrimination and took her 27 years to be hired for a job in her field due to racial discrimination. But she started the lunch program in, in Salt Lake schools and, and did so many other things. And you can see in her illustration, she's standing there with children holding a lunch tray and you can see other important places in her life kind of illustrated on a map behind her. So that's that's another one. She was part of the Harlem Renaissance as well. She was. She was friends with Langston Hughes, and State History has some of her books with his inscriptions in them. Tell us another story or two about the wow. people on these cards. One thing I love about these cards is uh, it, it's Mormon. It's non-Mormon. 
it's women of color, it's Native Americans. It really, in a very broad way, if any of you as listeners are trying to have your children, or for that matter, your that ornery uncle of yours, or whoever it might be that you really want to have them get their hands on a fuller story, stories that tell, um, or, or things that tell stories rather than facts, this series is available on Better Days 2020. It'll be the focus of this exhibit at the Capitol, but you can also buy these cards. And uh, I recommend you do it as uh, gifts. Um, it, it just just buy these sets and hand them out. They're so worthwhile. Well, thank you for that plug. We have the illustrations on the front of the cards, and then on the back there is a short little biography, a paragraph, a couple of bullet points about what each woman did, as well as a photograph of the woman so you can see what she looked like. And if you go online to our website, utahwomenshistory.org, you can find longer biographies of each of these women written by community members, historians, family descendants who we worked with. So I think that's that's a, it's a good way to learn more. And then we provide links to other information about them. Um, one of the other women I'd like to talk about in this exhibit is Alice Kasai. And many people will know about her. Her papers are at the Marriott Library at the University of Utah. But she was a Japanese-American civil rights activist to let the Japanese American civil citizens league, excuse me, in Salt Lake city during world war two. You know, I think of uh, Lorraine Krauss an editor yes. or, or rather a curator at the university of Utah and, and others at the U they have some wonderful ethnic collections, mm -hmm. collections of various historical communities across Utah, including, including Alice Kasai's. Yes. And Alice Kasai wrote a chapter in Helen Papanicholas's book, the peoples of Utah about Japanese life in Utah she worked for years to build greater bridges of peace and understanding between the two different cultures. So she helped to create and design the Japanese section of the International Peace Gardens in Draper. So Brooke Smart, the illustrator, has pictured, depicted her in, in that portion of the garden, holding her chapter that she wrote in this book, wearing a medal that she received for her, for her advocacy. And Alice worked for, for voting rights, again, for people who didn't gain them in 1920. Um, immigrants of Asian descent weren't allowed to apply for U.S. citizenship until 1952. And it was people like Alice who helped make that happen. See, just <clears throat> talking about 1920 is one thing, but all these other communities where it's not complete, full suffrage for all. And the story continues forward. There's a lot of ways that we can use our voices to ensure that other people are heard and seen. Catherine, um, Send Martha. What is Send Martha? Tell us a story and how can our listeners get involved? Yeah. So Martha Hughes Cannon was the first woman elected as a state senator anywhere in the United States. And that happened here in Utah in 1896. That was the first year that women could run for office in Utah. And um, she was elected as a state senator over a slate of candidates that included her husband on the opposing line. So that's that's an interesting story there, as well as other suffragists like Emmeline B. Wells. Um, but Martha was sent to the state legislature and really had spent her whole life preparing to improve public health in Utah. She had earned four degrees at universities, um, from chemistry to public speaking to medicine. Um, and she was a champion of public health in Utah, started Utah State Health Department. It re instituted many reforms that really changed the lives of Utahns. And so- um, She's representing. She's representing Utah. So she's going to be sent to Washington, D.C., a statue of her, uh, I guess. <laughs> <Of course>. not, <laughs> not taking her up. Um, but so a statue of Martha, a new statue that's being created right now, will go to Washington, D.C. in August. Um, each state gets two statues in Capitol 
on Capitol Hill, and she's going to be one of Utah's. That really kind of actually kind of chokes me up. This is a really important time. I think it's a great time. She'll be installed in August when the rest of the country is celebrating the anniversary of the 19th Amendment, and that will draw some attention to Utah's story. But also, I think it's important for kids. We saw the kids getting involved, writing to their legislators, saying why they thought she should represent Utah. And there are great stories about that, but we need to see and honor and recognize the achievements of people like Martha who have made our state what it is today. And her statue will be placed in the National Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol. So yes. those who have an opportunity to see the uh, come uh, to our nation's capital, they've got if to come. If you go on the tour, you can get your Utah people to show you where she is. And she will be going on a 29-county tour before that of Utah. So you'll have a chance that? to see her. What's that going to include? Tell me what that's going to involve. So I'd have to send you to the Send Martha people for that. <laughs> so check out their website, follow them. Um, but they will be going going around this summer and there will be many opportunities. You can see online there are also stories and, and a picture of what the statue will look like. So it'll be a great way for, again, for people to get involved to to honor her and the people like her who have made our state what it is today. So each county in Utah can uh, perhaps uh, weave their own events and programs. Absolutely. Uh, the tours will bring um, the the statue. Is it a Marquette? We have Mar a maquette now maquette? about a yeah. two foot high. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't work for Send Martha, so I don't know Go the details, Martha. but we've partnered with them and, and, and helped support the legislation to make that happen. And we're so thrilled to see this happening. Um, that was an interesting debate. Uh, over the last 18 months. Were you involved in that or saw how it that was. unfolded? I came onto the Better Days team after the debate happened, but I went up there to watch some of it myself. Um, and again, I think one of the things that's so interesting about history, we talk about how it repeats itself. A lot of the same discussions we're having about women's place in society and whether a woman's statue should be sent to Washington, D.C., those sounded an awful lot like the debates that were happening in 1920 or 1895 or even 1870. And so I think understanding our past helps us understand why things are the way they are today and mm -hmm. where we can maybe um, move the needle a little forward. And, and absolutely make changes needed mm -hmm. in our society. That's the power of history. Better Days 2020 has some amazing web sources, products, uh, the trading cards we talked about and posters, but there's so much more. Um, state history's um, better, or rather um, um, National History Day. Uh, yes. And the director there has been so involved in uh, lots of things and working with your group with the educational curriculum. Wendy Rex Atset is the one involved in, um, and then Naoma and Naomi, others. Yeah. Tell me about the educational curriculum, the family and individual sources and other things online. Yeah. So if you go to utahwomenshistory.org, there are kind of two sections of that. One is called educator resources, and it's not just for educators, but that's free open source curriculum about Utah women's voting rights history. So we have lessons for more of an elementary school age for high school students. We have a lot of other activities that you can do. They look at political cartoons showing how women were depicted in Utah. Um, they use primary sources about voting rights laws, about women's achievements, about debates happening in Utah, both then and now about women. There's a lot of opportunity um, inviting and involving kids to design their own monument to Utah women, what would they do? What would they look like? And also to design their own get out the vote campaign, a la the suffrage campaigns before talking about how women used propaganda and imagery to 
spread their message and then thinking about how they would do the same today. Now, I want to say something that I do, and I want all my listeners, all our listeners to do the same. This is a K through 12 product, but it is a great opportunity, uh, a great way of uh, reading and engaging in various activities, not just for 12 K through 12. Right. You don't have to be a teacher to use this. Um, We also have resources and activities that you can use for anything for youth groups in your own home, coloring pages. There's a walking tour available, both a PDF that you can follow as you walk along in Salt Lake City to look at suffrage sites, as well as a virtual tour that we've made with Google's help. Um, There are local county histories. Again, you can click on any of Utah's 29 counties and see more about the suffrage history and about women who held office and made a difference in your own neighborhood. We're always adding to that. We would love to hear about the stories you know of that we should be adding. And you can also, again, learn more about the women who are illustrated in our series, but there are biographies of many, many more women on the site as well. So there's something for everyone, I'd like to think. I I think there is. um, And I urge, uh, again, what's the website? Utahwomenshistory.org. Utahwomenshistory.org. As well as, or tell me the difference between that and Better Days. Better Days 2020 is our organizational website, so that includes calendar information on our projects, and then the history Utah Women's History site is more focused on the history. There are reading lists there, um, also including ties to Utah in national suffrage books that are coming out this year and lots of kids' books. Um, So if you're looking for ways to learn more or to share something with kids you know in your life, there's a lot of opportunities and resources there. Catherine, you've been involved. You are a historian uh, working on your PhD, and uh, what a practical, wonderful public history thing you're doing here as you're writing your dissertation and working through this. Uh, Tell me, uh, as we close out this second segment of Speak Your Peace, what's the most unexpected thing that's happened to you or that you have learned over the course of time as director of history for better days of 2020? Well, there's a lot. Um, my favorite part of my job is meeting with new groups, uh, community groups or community leaders going to new places and asking people, who should we talk about? Whose stories should we know? Whose stories do you know that we should be aware of and that we can help, help to tell. Um, and there's such a richness of women's advocacy across the state. And I think that's one of the things uh, we've worked with um, some student interns at different universities across the state. And many of them have said at the end of their time with us that they didn't think there would be that much to research or write about, that there kind of wasn't anything that happened in the past that would be interesting. And we're not just talking suffrage history, but women in general who have made a difference, who have been leaders. And there is a richness of of advocacy, of community organizing, of education, of leadership in many different ways. And I think that's one of the things that I want all Utahns to understand is that there's an abundance of stories that we can draw from to inform how we go about our our own lives. I think that what many of these women would want us to learn from their stories is that we can make a difference. They all had different avenues. Sometimes they were working for opposite goals or in opposite ways for the same goal, right? So it's not like we all agree and then we decide what to do and then voila, it happens. I think we can learn from their messy, complicated say the messiness debates. of history. Right. But we can learn from that, that um, individual voices do matter. And that's really the promise of American democracy. But I think what they would hope we learn from their story is that when we see something that we'd like to change, that we can roll up our sleeves and get involved and help make something happen. Well, I can say this as I close uh, this podcast. I really, truly believe that this is just not um, 
an anniversary. This is an opportunity for needed social change. It can open the door. Catherine, thank you so much for being part of Speak Your Peace. So thank grateful you. for your time. This has been recorded and engineered at the Studio Underground here in Salt Lake City. I thank Connor Sorensen, our Studio Underground uh, engineer and a post-production editor for his fine, wonderful work. Past is never truly in the past. It's all around us. It informs us. It speaks to both our shared and our separate identities. Speak Your Peace is a podcast where writers, historians, archaeologists, so many others tell us their insights and discoveries about Utah. If there's one place, one podcast to get your Utah history fix, this is the place. Thank you, Catherine, for coming, and thank you for Better Days 2020. Join us on the next time for our podcast, Speak Your Peace. Cheers and goodbye.